All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors of the church. Yeah, my name is Jonathan Davis. I am also one of the pastors of this church. So this is typically the time in our service, uh, for those of you who are, who are here regularly, where one man stands up uh, with a passage of the scriptures and uh, attempts to work his way through uh, that passage. Our goal is that each week the main point of the passage would be the main point of the sermon uh, and applied to us specifically in in this place and this time, um, but this morning you get two of us, uh, you get JD and myself. Uh, hopefully that does not mean that the sermon's twice as long. Um, we have worked diligently to try to make that not the case, um, but uh, sometimes our promises are in vain, we'll see. Uh, so our goal this morning is to uh, work through and expound Acts chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 3, so a very short passage this morning uh, compared to our typical uh, pace through the the book of Acts uh, as we continue our study through the book of Acts. But then uh, after J.D. works through Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 3, uh, we're going to transition to uh, something a little out of the ordinary as we go into uh, the rest of the sermon. So, Sweet. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Uh, as Tom said earlier, there should be a provided Bible around. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can use that. We're just going to read the first three verses verses of Acts chapter 13 as it will help us uh, here in our time that we have this morning. And we'll start in verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit, uh, fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So Acts 13 marks a transition and a shift for the book of Acts as a whole. See, Luke, who is the writer of Acts, has primarily focused through the first 12 chapters on Peter and the beginning of the church, mainly in Jerusalem and primarily to the Jewish community. But from Acts chapter 13, especially towards the end of Acts 13, through the rest of the book, Luke will primarily be focused on Paul and Barnabas, who take the gospel to the Gentiles and ultimately throughout the Roman Empire. So this is a, it's a rather sudden shift, but we are starting to see more fully what Jesus promised in Acts 1.8, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would eventually go to Gentile nations and ultimately to the ends of the world. So as we begin, as we begin Acts 13, we are met with five different prophets and teachers. These would be the leaders of the church in Antioch. They, which is referenced in verse 2, likely refers to the, to the whole church because in 1427, chapter 14, verse 27, when Paul and Barnabas return, the whole church is gathered to hear the report. So the whole church welcomes them back and is eager to hear the report that Paul and Barnabas are coming. So it only makes sense that the, that the they in verse 2 is they, the church, have sent them out. 
And so we, we see this. And so while the church was worshiping together in Acts chapter 13, together they were, they were fasting and they were praying and, and the Holy Spirit intervenes on them and says, hey, set apart from me Paul and Barnabas for his work. In obedience to this, the, the church fasted and prayed and then they land, laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and, and sent them off. So from the beginning of church life, as we see in Scripture, the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, sets apart men and women to accomplish His mission all over the world. With that in mind, there are three things that I want to point out for us. Three things. The first thing that I want to put out, point out is that we must worship faithfully. We must be faithful worshipers. So from the beginning of the early church, we see the disciples, they're gathered together. So Acts 2 lays out this beautiful picture of the early church devoting themselves to the teaching of the Word, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. You see, they're worshiping together, and the Scripture says that they had all things in common. So through their worship of God, they, they grew together. They, they shared life together. They worshiped in a way that drew them closer to one another and ultimately to God. So we see this in continuing Acts chapter 13, likely through the, the leadership of Barnabas, who had, who had been with the early church in Jerusalem. So you see, Barnabas knew what true worship looked like. And, he, and, and, and this is what he wanted the church in Antioch to become. So what you see in Acts 13, where these worshipers gathered together, is what we saw in Acts 2. With the, church of, with the church in Jerusalem. And so this beautiful picture of, of people gathered together, worshiping faithfully. So we must, as, as the early church gathered and worshiped in this way, and faithfully gathered together and devoted themselves to certain things in the church, we as a body at Pillar Church must be doing the same. So we must worship faithfully. The other thing that we must do is pray and fast regularly. We must pray, dedicate ourselves to pray and fast regularly. During the church's time of worship, we know that prayer and fasting had a major role. It's the first thing the early Christians do after receiving the mandate from Christ. You see, they go into an upper room and they devote themselves to the discipline of prayer. We see this in Acts chapter 1, the latter half of it. One of the ways that we worship the Lord is through times of regular praying and fasting. Christians have done this throughout time since church age. I'm sure that as the church in Antioch was praying and fasting, that they were specifically asking the Holy Spirit for guidance, for direction, for how they could reach those who were far from God, who did not know Christ. And by God's grace, He answered them. He gave them a very clear direction. See, we don't always, as Christians, as we're praying and fasting, we don't always receive directions this clear, right? Although we'd like to. Like, the, 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 that isn't always this clear. But what we must be as followers of Jesus is we must be faithful to be in continual prayer and fasting. And, and in expectation that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us various ways that He wants to empower us and use us according to His will, right? So we see this. We must be faithful worshipers. We must give ourselves, lend ourselves to the discipline of prayer and fasting. And the last thing we must do is we must send people out as the Holy Spirit calls. We must send, faithfully send people out as the Holy Spirit calls. 
You see, our sending church, the church that helped us to start this church, Pillar Church of Dumfries is a, is a great example of what a church committed to doing this looks like. They have planted 15 churches in 15 years, with most of those being men who have been raised up in their church, empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach. And after being trained, they have prayed over and sent out to start new churches or revitalize dying ones. So many of these men were elders and leaders in their church, but they were obedient and faithful to willingly send out those set apart by the Holy Spirit for the advancement of the gospel. That's what it's all about, is the the advancement of the gospel to be faithful to send out men and women who would go as the Holy Spirit calls. The truth is, both Brian and I were beneficiaries of their faithfulness. And by God's grace, the Lord will allow us here at Pillar Jacks to continue to do the same thing here. That, that we will be faithful in sending men and women out for the mission of God, for the advancement of His kingdom. Some to men to go and preach the good news and church planters, others maybe to the mission field and be faithful in that. But we must be faithful. So just as this church in Antioch was faithful and obedient, we must be as well. We must embrace when one of our own is set apart by the Holy Spirit to go and preach good news. We must embrace it as a church. To welcome it. To celebrate it. And to get behind it. That's good, J.D. Um, Very clear in Acts 13 what the church is to do. Honestly, here, relatively young church to send uh, folks out. Um, Has anybody been a part of this before with two preachers in one sermon? Anybody? A couple? Okay. Um, I've been a part of this a couple times, um, and all for similar things like this, celebrating things. Unfortunately, a lot of times it happens when uh, we're about to announce that one of us is leaving. All right, that's not happening this morning. So if you're like nervous and you're like, oh no, one of us, one of them's about to say they're leaving. What, what if they were kind of happy that one of us might be leaving. Well, what do we do with that? Yeah. That, might be, uh, that might be a different story. But uh, we're not doing that. The other time sometimes this happens is like uh, one of the pastors is about to like confess a public sin and needs to repent of that. Uh, that is not going to happen. If it needs to throughout the time, we'll, we'll do that. But that's not happening either. What, what we're going to do instead is we think that this passage and just kind of where we are in the life of the church, uh, it would be helpful to resurrect a practice that we had for the first five years of the church. Uh, It's called the State of the Church Address. Yes, we stole that from the U.S. government of the State of the Union. I think, is that, is that happening this week or is that on pause? I think that's on pause. Okay, for now. All right. Um, yeah, for good reason. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but anyway, so this lends itself to having a state of the church. Uh, we did not do it last year uh, for some reasons that we'll see. Uh, 2019 was, a, was an interesting year for us as a church. For those of you who were here, I am kind of curious. If you were here January 1st of 2019, would you like raise your hand or... Okay, about half of us. All right, not bad. All right, so uh, if you're curious, you're like... 
Oh, I'm the only new person here. That's not true. Uh, you are not the only new person. So uh, what we want to do is put a bunch of things in one place uh, for those of you who have been here to be like, oh, wow, we, we did do a lot uh, and we're asked to do a lot uh, in 2019. And for those of you who are new to maybe help you understand some of the history of what you are jumping into. Uh, so here's the path we're going to go forward. Uh, first, we're going to talk about 2019. We feel like we as the leadership of the church asked some big things of the church, uh, and I just we just want to look back on that and see God's faithfulness uh, during that time. Uh, secondly, we want to talk about what we think is coming up in the years uh, moving forward, uh, some things that are happening in the near future, um, and then we're going to conclude. Uh, JD and I and some of the other leaders, we see a couple landmines. Uh, one of my problems is I see lots of landmines ahead of us. Uh, just that's the way God's wired me. If all that could go wrong, I realize and think about. Um, but we're just going to talk about two landmines that we think are in front of us as a church. So first, the things that we, leaders of the church, as us as a church to do, uh, that we think the Holy Spirit was leading us in, uh, in 2019, and how God was faithful to see us through it. Um, Every week we have this, like, if you have questions during the sermon, feel free to text them in. Those come in relatively anonymously. Uh, this week you might feel less apt to do it because you're not directly interacting with a text uh, for the rest of the sermon. But uh, if you have questions, just, I mean, this can be a little town hall-esque with the uh, Q&A through the text. Um, but if you have questions like, hey, what about this? What about that? Uh, we'll hopefully have time to answer a couple of those as we conclude. Great. All right, so one of the first things that happened in 2019 was we actually sent one of our pastors away for three months. And so here's kind of how that, how that trajectory happened. In September of 2018, uh, we got an email from our church planter in Pillar Church of Hawaii. Uh, his email detailed the, the difficulties of like planning a church on the, on the island of Oahu. And so the email stated that they were, they were tired. Uh, they were exhausted. Uh, they were co contemplating not continuing the work and, and actually thinking about moving back stateside. And so, uh, it, honestly, it was not a shock to us because we knew uh, the difficulties when we sent a church planter there to go and plant a church. They're literally on an island. Uh, there's not much resources for help, not much ways that we can come alongside except through uh, maybe some um, Zoom calls or things like that. So we weren't really su surprised and uh, when we got this and, and we knew that the church planter and his family were actually having some difficulties kind of tilling the soil there, getting a getting a church started and, and getting it to take off. And so after many discussions and deliberations, we decided that it would be best for the church planter and his family to transition back to the States. They were, they were in a pretty unhealthy place, and we just wanted to see them get healthy. So we said, hey, I want you to come back to the States, get your family healthy. And so the question for us as the leaders of the church was... Um, uh, what, what do we do? Uh, and ultimately for you guys, like we came to y'all and said, hey, what do we do? This is the decision we have before us. Like, what, what do we do with this church that's in Kanahoe on the island of Oahu? Like, what do we do? And so there were many options laid out. None of them seemed great uh, from afar, to be honest with you. Um, so we prayed through what to do. We decided that the best option uh, to possibly keep Pillar Hawaii open and, and, and going uh, and afloat would be to send someone from our church 
to Hawaii for a three-month mission trip. So it would be like three months we would send one uh, of our pastors there to, to see what this would look like. And so this trip would be to gauge the health of the members that were part of the church. It would be to look for a possible replacement who could pastor the church forward into the foreseeable future. So we decided to do something that most churches would not agree to do. As a church, like we sent Brian O'Day, our only uh, pastoral staff, staff-owned pastor, the only paid pastor, the one that would go. And so um, there's a few reasons why we did this. Uh, number one, we Brian was the best, he is the best equipped was the best equipped and still is to be able to go and analyze the situation in Hawaii. Like he knows how to look at a situation, analyze it, and make decisions. Uh, he also, um, we had the resources here to be able to cover down on some of Brian's responsibilities. Although it wasn't easy, uh, we were able to you know, pull together uh, as a church to be able to cover down on some of his responsibilities. So that is because of you, the members, uh, sacrificing yourselves to be able to do this and to be able to come alongside. The third thing was this could be a time for actually Brian and uh, his family Brian to have a sabbatical and his family to, to rest from some of their labors of, of planting and being a part of Pillar Jack. Been doing this for six years uh, pretty hard. And uh, so it was time for him to actually take a little sabbatical in Hawaii. I, I can't think of a better place to kind of go and do a sabbatical, but it was seems nice. like it. Yeah. And so it was profitable. So those were the three reasons. So, so Brian and his family, we sent them last January, stayed through March of 2019. And uh, while Brian was there, he was able to assess and kind of uh, understand, met with some of the members there in Pillar Hawaii and, and also others who were involved in helping the church uh, kind of be where it was. And so he led the Sunday morning gatherings. He worked diligently to set a foundation that uh, others could uh, build on. And so as as, as as it was uh, time for Brian to, so he went and did that for three months. And as it was time for Brian to transition back to us, Pillar Church of Oceanside actually sent their pastor over to, over to Hawaii um, three months to kind of replace Brian. So him and his wife went over there. They were a great follow-on to Brian because uh, to Brian and his family because they had been they had spent three to four years in Hawaii on Oahu. So they knew the lay of the land. They knew what was what was going on. So Trace and Christy Martinez were able to uh, to go there for also for a few months. And um, and but ultimately it was determined that we would not keep the doors open of Pillar Hawaii. Just it wasn't in a healthy place. It wasn't it wasn't. Um, there was nobody to kind of take over the work. And so what Trace and Chrissy did for the last month that they were there is they helped the members of the church there transition uh, into other local churches that they could be uh, be kind of poured into and helped. And so we, so Trace and Chrissy were just great ambassadors for kind of seeing that through and, and helping that transition. And so although, you know, uh, Pillar Hawaii feels like a, a failure in some ways and they weren't able to keep their doors open, the fact is, is that we very much desire to go back there and plant a church like it's not off our radar it is not an impossible place to plant a church like those military people those military members that are that are on that island they need a healthy local gospel center church they need more churches and we aim to send more there so it's not off our radar so i hope you will join me in continuing to pray that that would come back into fruition and be able to plant a church there yeah so just uh to caveat that point is uh the executive director of the hawaii pacific Baptist Convention, so an organization we worked with while we were there on Hawaii. Uh, when he found out we were closing the doors, called me on my cell phone. Time difference always makes that weird. It was like 9 o'clock at night or something uh, here. So he called me on my cell phone. He's like, hey, I heard you're closing the doors. I understand. I get it. Um, but I want you to not forget about us. We need a church that's reaching the military like you guys. Uh, and
And so uh, he was very encouraging, and he rolled out the red carpet for future work. And so we look forward to the future work there. Um, the other thing I, w- I want to add is uh, Johnny Griffith is a planter uh, from Hawaii, and uh, Johnny and his family are doing well. They're in Georgia. Uh, he has uh, taken a um, position as a youth pastor in a more established church, and uh, he's doing well. Both his kids are youth age, and so they're in the youth group, and so he's able to do that. And they're actually, uh, there's some plans in the works now that they are going to come up here in uh, late June, early July of this summer, and uh, and work together with us to do some type of missions uh, trip up here. So uh, we look forward to, to reconnecting with Johnny in that way uh, now that they are uh, really in a healthier yeah, spot. And the cool thing about that, he's, he's not resentful. Like he's not resenting the fact that he was able to go there for three years and, and do some more. They saw conversions and salvations and saw people come to the Lord. So it was not in vain. And, uh, and the fact that he's able to come and, yeah. and join with us is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's good. Um, so if that wasn't enough that me and my family left for uh, for three months. Uh, while I was in Hawaii, uh, I was approached by three other pastors in our family of churches uh, that we call the Praetorium Project. Uh, I was approached by them to be the first executive director of our work together. And uh, to be honest, I was a hard no. Uh, I felt bad about leaving the church here, uh, and I was eager to get back to the church here. I felt like this is where God had us for the long term. Uh, um, and so I was literally a hard no, but they convinced me um, to at least prayerfully consider it and talk to some folks. And uh, so after a, a decent amount of prayer and discussions, uh, I did accept the position uh, as the first executive director of the Praetorian Project. Uh, most of you know I started part-time in that role, uh, May 1st of 2019, and then uh, I went full-time, uh, so my full-time Monday through Saturday. So to answer the question, what do you do Monday through Saturday? I'm still trying to figure that out, but I am the executive director of the Praetorian Project uh, during the week. Um, And so that started January 1st of this year. Um, And so it's kind of tough because the first thing I had to tell the church as I was coming back from Hawaii, I actually had to announce it. Some of you were here. I had to announce it uh, via video because of how quickly we wanted to move some things forward on uh, on the Praetorian Project. Uh, I had to announce it at a members meeting via video, and then one of the first times I was back, I think, we talked about it even further. and so We got to um, see what a multi-site church looks like. Yeah, it almost felt multi-site, man. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, that was kind of a weird uh, a weird season, if, if any adjective to, to do it. But thankfully, God was faithful. Uh, so as I'm stepping away into that role, we knew it would be a bit of a slow transition. Uh, we had to start thinking, okay, do we want to try to lead this church with just a plurality of lay elders and have no full-time guy, or do we hire a full-time guy? We knew pretty early on we did not want to just uh, put out and receive a bunch of resumes from other churches, uh, but instead we wanted to hire from within. And so uh, JD was the first person I called uh, when I was considering the job, and uh, he was also the first to affirm that I had permission to seriously consider uh, this role. And along with the other elders that we figure out what's next. And so uh, we spent time and me and the other elders uh, talked about and discussed what it would look like uh, to offer JD the position as the next uh, full-time vocational pastor of the church. And uh, JD is a clear choice for the role. I'm very thankful that that was affirmed over and over again uh, throughout the spring. Uh, Clear choice for the role. Um, 
very excited. Uh, we've worked together for about four years now here locally. We've known each other longer than that, but uh, I'm just really looking forward to how God uses us in, uh, in our new roles in the years and decades to come. JD said we got like 25 years or something like that. Amen. Yeah, man. Now we can only hope. You're older than me, so I might have a little that's bit. true, hopefully. Over. Yes. Yes, that's true. Man, I hope so as well. I really do. Um, man, God has been, you see some of the ways that God's been faithful, uh, has been faithful to us this past uh, year in 2019. Just a couple of things that we want to highlight that still, that still happened in 2019. We had lots of happenings. We got to, we got to actually move buildings. So right on the back end of that, uh, in this past May, we were able to transition uh, from, uh, from the New River Baptist Association gymnasium in that building over to here and uh, man uh, it, it just was a, a great uh, time and season for us but before I, I really get into the transition I want to make sure that we acknowledge how much uh, we are and were able to benefit by being part of a local association of churches like we were able to use the New River Baptist Association building for our Sunday gatherings for more than six years for free like, how many churches can say, hey, I don't have my own building, but we're able to meet in a location for free. That means we were able to not spend a certain amount of money renting a space, whether it be a school or whatever that looks like for a couple of grand a month, that we were able to give that money uh, to missions. We had the privilege of giving more towards church planning and missions. We were able to give more money away because of the benefit of being part of the New River Baptist Association. And, and later on this morning, we had the privilege of interviewing Joe Capper who is the Director of Missions for the New River Bath Association. And uh, I am very much looking forward to, to that conversation. It will kind of look a little bit like this, but not nearly as long. Um, so uh, I look forward to that. So, um, so what started as a process that began in November of 2016. So it started way back in the uh, beginning of 2016. Midville Baptist Church that was meeting here graciously gave us this property. And, and it finally came to an end in May of this year when we were able to transition again to this location. So it was a long process, especially for many who were involved in the building aspects of it, um, but this building has really been a blessing for us, been a place for us to gather and to, and to do a lot of stuff uh, here ministry-wise. And so as we transitioned to this property, uh, we knew that there would be some upgrades that, that we would, improvements that we would have to make. And uh, it turns out there was actually way more than we thought there was. And, uh, and so um, we, we found ourselves having to repair some electrical issues, uh, heating and AC units, painting walls, all sorts of other projects. And, and the thing is, is that we reached out to you guys and we said, hey, uh, we, we kind of got a lot going on. We got some things that we need to get done here. And, uh, and because of your efforts, because of the members of this church working long weekends on your days off, uh, coming uh, in on uh, in afternoons and evenings after you've worked all day because of your efforts, most of those projects are, are being are completed or almost completed. And so uh, this is just a thank you to you. Many of you had a hand in upgrading our facilities. Um, we just we just want to say thank you for giving your time, talents, and your treasure. Like you've given your time, your your efforts of your and your talents, and you've also given money uh, additional money above and beyond uh, to see some of these projects through. And so in our, in our group life membership book, before you become members, we say the five T's, right? Three of those are time, talent, and treasure. We, and, and so you, you are committed to doing that. Through your membership, you've committed to, to do that. And so um, it, it's really a privilege for, I know, I know for me and, and Brian and the leaders as well, uh, to see so many 
uh, serving the church the way that you guys do. And it's just a, it's a privilege to pastor you guys. That's good. Uh, so that's a lot in 2019. We're not done yet. Um, we still live in a military town, uh, a very military town. And so uh, Jacksonville, uh, it's a little tough to get this, but uh, last stat I saw is about 80% of Jacksonville is active duty uniform service members and their immediate families. So that's, that's pretty heavy. Uh, here in our congregation, we're about that. I think we're a little bit less right now, which is crazy, uh, because we were about 95% for the first few years of the church, but uh, we're about eight, 75, 80% active duty service members and their families. And uh, in 2019, we felt that at least as much as we felt at any other time in the history of the church. Uh, we sent out, we removed from membership, over 38% of our members. Over 38%. Way more than a third. Uh, 38%. And uh, so we sent those out. Uh, in our membership book uh, that we go through for prospective members, uh, we say... Man, we care more about our sending capacity, being able to send people out and send them out well. We care more about our sending capacity than we do with our seating capacity. Well, that was put to the test in 2019 as we sent a lot of folks out. Uh, and sent out uh, leaders and everything else. I just want to highlight two families that we sent out, so four total folks. Uh, one is Aaron and Jen Reap. Uh, they left us this summer. Uh, we sent them out this summer. Uh, they went to uh, Quantico, Virginia, part of a military PCS, and um, they went and were able to quickly jump into our sending church, Pillar Church of Dumfries, which we've mentioned. They were able to quickly join and get involved there. Uh, Aaron had been leading a community group down here in Sneeds Ferry uh, for a season of time, and uh, they had been hosting it on and off uh, throughout that season. And uh, Pillar Church of Dumfries had been trying to start a life group on base in a very particular area of the base in Quantico, and, uh, and had really struggled to get one off the ground and get it consistent, while Aaron and Jen were able to move in to that area on base and start a life group in that area. And that, that life group has thrived and even multiplied. They worked with another couple and they, there's now two groups in that area. And that's all since this past summer. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and then Andrew and Carrie Brown also left this summer, uh, and they got orders to Monterey, California, so Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, and uh, they were looking for church homes, and they were uh, talking with JD and I about church homes. JD was actually able to go like visit the church and say, hey, I think you should uh, join in and be a part of this church, and it was a church that was in transition. They did not have a full-time uh, pastor at the time, and so they were very much in a transitional phase. Uh, uh, which I guess they were accustomed to since they left here as we were in a transitional phase. But anyway, uh, and so they jumped in and they were a part of that church family. And uh, praise God, that church is uh, is really... Uh, transitioning well. They joined with another uh, couple that came from Pillar Church of 29 Palms, the Wallaces, and uh, that church, now named Grace Monterey, is turning around. They've hired a pastor. Uh, I was able to meet via video call with the pastor recently. Uh, things are going well there. They've maintained a plurality of elders uh, throughout the transition, and the Browns and the Wallaces have been very instrumental in the work uh, there in Monterey. 
Man, praise the Lord. So one of the things that we say as a Praetorian project, when we get together as, as these churches that are all throughout, and we'll get to a minute of what, what exactly the Praetorian project is, but as we th- think about it, one of the things that we say, one of our bylines is, movement is the method. Like uh, military movement is the method. That is the method in which they 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 work. Uh, guys get sent, uh, men and women get sent all the time in about three to four year stints. And the movement is the method for the military. And so we we actually want to embrace that. And that's hard when you're sending out 38 percent of your churches. But we want to embrace that as a church. And we do care about our sending capacity. So um, I'm going to actually transition us into thinking about the future. But one more thing from the past and the future that we want to kind of that kind of sits in limbo for us. Uh, in the past and the future is the actually uh, the thing that that is um, uh, that's uh, foster and adoption, uh, fostering and adoption, fostering and adoption for us is a big deal. So the Bible instructs us to care for and visit orphans in their affliction. Um, overall, I believe our members have sought to actually do this really well. That's you guys have sought to do this well. And so over, over the last seven years, we have had ten placements of foster uh, foster care or, or orphans that have been placed in homes, and four of those have led to forever homes. And one more is in the process of happening really soon. And so out of ten placements we've had, uh, it would be almost five adoptions through that. Man, what a, what a beautiful picture of God's grace that we have been able to witness over the last several years because of your commitment to, to obey this command, to follow this uh, command of visiting orphans in their affliction. And so you, it's a beautiful picture. So as we look back at 2019 and the seven years that we've been as a church, that is awesome. But as we move forward into 2020 and beyond, well, we want to, we hope and we pray that, that more of you will get involved in this area of ministry. Um, that even if you are not at a place where you can adopt a kid, there are other ways that you can, sit, can assist and, and get on board with. And so uh, as your leaders, as Brian and I and the elders, as we think about this, and even our deacons that serve in some capacity this way, uh, we want to be able to give you resources and information that, that uh, sp- stealing one of Brian's terms, to light a path forward for you. Um, we, want to, we, want you, we want you to consider how, how you can be involved, what it means to be involved in this aspect. I mean, there are so many kids that are in foster and orphan care uh, in, uh, just in Onslow County alone that we could eradicate, that we could be a part of, of wiping out if we would just be faithful in this endeavor as a church. But the truth is, we don't, we don't have all these things in, 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 in like perfectly lined up yet. You know, we know what it looks like for us, right, to do this, but we don't know what it looks like to lead you. We, we can give you instructions, we can come alongside, and we're, what, what we're saying is we're working hard that when somebody comes to us and say, hey, I'm considering fostering, adopting, or I'm considering like how I can serve uh, the church in some way, like we're working really hard to try to figure out what that path forward is for you. And so if you're considering this, you're thinking about this, you're, you're, you're contemplating, man, I really want to know what it looks like to get involved. I see uh, a lot of people in our churches like taking in foster care children, adopting them, and and man, allowing them to grow up in a Christian home. Like that seems really awesome to me, and it is. Uh, I want to know what's next, and we want to provide that for you. So what we say is, hey, come to us, and we'll we'll figure it out from there. What that looks like for you guys, but thank you for your commitment to do this well, and pray how God can use you uh, to be faithful in this endeavor going forward in 2020 and beyond. Amen. That's great. All right, that was 2019. We can all 
and a little bit of 2020. So we can take a deep breath, take a knee, drink water if we need to, but let's look forward a little bit, okay? Um, a couple things we'll, we'll run through uh, that we think are happening in the future. We always have to be a little careful with the future. Um, there's some real clear instructions in the New Testament that we would not uh, boldly speak about the future without a clear word from the scriptures. And so uh, I'll just caveat all these with as the Lord wills, and uh, we, will, we will trust that. Uh, but in two weeks... Uh, we're going to have the opportunity to uh, conduct a ordination council for one of our elders, uh, Joshua Brown. And uh, we're excited about that. Uh, he has been in the process of affirming a call to full-time vocational pastoral uh, ministry the past few years. Uh, and it now seems clear that Joshua is uh, following that direction. So when he's done with the Marine Corps, uh, that this would be his path. And so in two weeks, uh, February 7th, I think, is the um, ordination council. A council of 8 to 10, maybe 12 other pastors will hear Joshua explain his uh, doctrinal positions and how he views uh, pastoral ministry. And then we will barrage him with questions. It'll take... Oh, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 hours, hopefully not quite that long. At least. At least. <clears throat> uh, but for a few hours, he will have to defend his positions, why he believes them, how he understands those things. Uh, and so... We affirm Joshua as one of our pastor's elders as a church, right? We've done that. We've gone through that process. We've examined him, examined him here locally. He's been affirmed and voted in as a local pastor elder by this congregation. So this process is us as a church asking greater Christendom, asking other churches to speak into that process and to affirm, yes, Joshua is, is qualified for uh, this work and to help us see our blind spots. So if, if other pastors are like, man, this guy's weak in this area, then we can take that as we uh, train up and uh, mature other believers in that area. And so uh, to give him credibility to further circles and to help us to see our areas of weakness in affirming pastors locally. So uh, please be praying for Joshua. It's a, uh, it's a bit of a stressful moment uh, in in the ordination process, so be praying for him. Pray for the pastors that will gather together. Um, pastors are weird uh, animals in that, like, things jump into our schedule, and uh, this is one that it's easy to say, well, man, I'd really want to, but this other thing happened. So pray for their schedules to be able to come and be a part of this important work together, and also for our wisdom and discernment in the council. Uh, and then also be praying for Joshua and his family as they are prayerfully concerned considering, okay, what is next? Where am I to go uh, from here? Man, that is really exciting to see someone raised up out of our church, the Holy Spirit set aside, set them apart, and to send them out, and we get to be a part of that. Man, that just excites me. So um, it, it's, it's scriptural almost, right? Almost. Almost. Almost uh, Acts 13. Almost Acts 13. That. Oh, man. I heard somebody talk about how did that. that. How did that happen that we're talking about this as Acts 13 comes in? Yeah. Um, so as we saw in our passage earlier, it is biblical that God would do this in our church, that God would raise up men to go and preach the good news, called by the Holy Spirit to pastor churches or do missions work. I mean, God's setting apart those. And so most of you know that Pillar Church is part of a larger network of churches planting around military institutions installations all over the world. And this this uh, this this uh 
project, this network is called the Praetorian Project. The Praetorian Project, we get that from uh, Philippians 1.12, I believe, uh, where the gospel went to all the Praetorian Guard, military, so Praetorian Project. So a lot of the churches that have been uh, planted within the project had involved this idea of raising up men and, and being called out that the church would uh, go, that the church would send out and they would go and plant another church and then that, that church would be faithful in sending guys out and they would plant another church and, and we have been a byproduct and seen this happen over and over and over again and it has been such a privilege to be a part of a network of churches that are not only faithful to, to the gospel but faithful in sending out those uh, whom God was setting apart for ministry to go and pastor these churches around the world to reach the military and also the, to those that live in the community. We're not just here for the military. We're not just a military church. We don't want it to be that way. Uh, we're here to reach the community, but as Brian said earlier, 80% of our community is military, so guess what we're going to primarily reach? Military. It's just the way it is. All right. So uh, it's a cool thing. So on February the 9th, uh, which will hopefully uh, be an uh, ordination service, we'll also have um, uh, uh, a uh, um, a couple come from San Diego, California. They're coming out of Pillar Church of Oceanside uh, to plant a church called Pillar Church of San Diego. Uh, so they will be here uh, that weekend. Uh, matter of fact, Daniel Carter is speaking to the men at Men's Breakfast about his calling, what God is doing in his life. And then his wife, Rochelle, is going to be uh, speaking to the women at Apples of Gold that weekend. That's our Men's Breakfast and Apples of Gold weekend in February. So if you don't have anything planned and you got, you know, like Brian said, like, Things can easily get in the way of that. You should come to that men's breakfast and that apples of gold to hear them speak, to encourage them, and uh, just to ask them questions. So they will be here uh, on that weekend, uh, February 7th for the ordination in February. And by the way, Daniel has not been ordained yet, so he's going to get to see uh, what it looks like to be a part of that. That's really, just really cool. And so um, they'll be here uh, that weekend of February 7th through the 9th. So and just, uh, um, they're in the process, again, of being sent out to Pillar Oceanside to plant Pillar San Diego, and we're just really excited about what has been going on. And so uh, the Praetorian Project has just come so far in the last 10 years of its existence that, that God has been faithful in helping us uh, to plant many churches throughout the U.S., and even one in Okinawa and Hawaii on the island of Oahu. And so we've learned many things along the way, but I believe we are poised to see many more churches planted in the years to come for God's glory and the advance of his kingdom. Absolutely. Definitely feel poised to take the gospel forward. Uh, we trust that will happen in and through those who are here and those who will come and be a part. So uh, we want to conclude with some landmines that we see. So uh, <clears throat> these are landmines, things that lie before us that are uh, potential challenges for us individually and for us corporately. Um, I'm going to cover one, JD's going to cover another. So if you would join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just a couple pages over from Acts chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First uh, Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul, uh, same guy Saul that we just read about in uh, Acts 13. He has two names, don't get too excited about that. Lots of people in the New Testament have two names. Uh, a lot of you have two names, you go by one, but your birth certificate says another. 
don't get too excited about that. Um, so the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Corinthians. And if you read through the letter, 1 Corinthians, you'll find that he is correcting them like over and over and over again. Hey, you're doing this. This is not good. Do this instead. All right. So we pick this up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is a rebuke as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized into the name of Paul? So, Paul's correcting them that they're like following these human leaders, and like Jesus is just thrown in as an afterthought, and some are saying, I follow Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, aka Peter, uh, or Jesus, and Paul says, no, 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 we follow Jesus. You're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're baptized in Christ. Okay? So we currently, as a church, we have a plurality of elders. If you're not used to that, uh, we understand a lot of churches don't do that, but we have a co-equal plurality of elders. There's four of us. You're only seeing two of us today, but there's four of us. Uh, Joshua Brown, Paul Bailey are two other elders with us. There's four of us. We have an elder candidate, uh, Stephen Whitfield, who we'll vote on as a congregation next members meeting. We're in the process of potentially selecting a few more elders. We have eight deacons. We're in the process of selecting more deacons. We have community group leaders, ministry leaders, discipleship group leaders. We have a lot of people teaching and leading throughout the church. Okay? That's a good thing, right? That's a beautiful thing. That is something that we have prayed for. That is something we have worked for. That's something we want to continue to work for. A plurality of leaders is a good thing. It's a biblical thing, but it's also a landmine. It's also something that can trip us up. Right? We, can, we can start to follow a human as though they are equal with Christ, and that would be a bad thing. Okay? So we don't want to do that. So if you find yourself and your flesh will do this, right? this is a problem individually. Your flesh will be like, eh, I kind of prefer when this guy preaches. Or, eh, I kind of prefer when that guy preaches. Or, eh, I kind of prefer my community group leader over here, even though it's me driving 45 extra minutes or, or something like that. Like that's a, that's a challenge for our flesh. And then it's a bigger challenge when we start to vocalize that. We're like, eh, I prefer Apollos. I prefer Cephas. We don't have an Apollos or a Cephas, but we have other guys, right? And so we just have to be really careful to not elevate one leader over another and certainly not to elevate a human leader as being equal with Christ as we start to see here in Corinthians. That's good. That's good. Uh, so I want to attempt to bring this, uh, this full circle from where we started this morning in Acts chapter 13. As we saw in Acts chapter 13, the church in Antioch, uh, they were faithful in their worship of the Lord. So my charge to us is that we must also be faithful to worship the Lord regularly. So at a minimum, this involves gathering with the saints on Sunday morning to worship through the singing of song, 
to hear the preached word, to pray corporately, uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. See, the truth is, I absolutely long for this time. Like, I, I, I love this time on Sunday mornings. There's nothing I would rather be doing on Sunday morning as much as I love golf or as actually as much as I love to lay in my bed and watch TV or something like that, which I don't have a TV in my bedroom, but if I did, I'd lay there and watch TV. Um, as much as I love to, would love to do those things, there's nothing I would love more than I love more than gathering with you guys on Sunday morning. Absolutely nothing. Um, I, I enjoy gathering on, in community groups. I enjoy fellowshipping over meals. I enjoy all those things, but there's nothing more that I love than gathering with you guys on, on Sunday mornings. But, but I'm not sure. The, the, the landmine is this. I'm not sure if that's true for all of us. I'm just not sure if that's true for all of us. And so I think one of the landmines is found in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it for us. It says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day is capitalized, so that means Jesus drawing near, right? So the landmine is this, church cannot be a secondary option in the life of a Christian. It's not. It cannot be. For, for a life of a Christian... It cannot be secondary. So our caution to you is the caution that the writer of Hebrews gives to the church. To not neglect gathering here on Sunday mornings. I believe that, that some of you are really close to being in the habit of doing this. It's a concern that we have as your leaders. You see, the truth is, is that we love you. We want nothing more than to worship with you. Nothing more than to see you on Sunday mornings. Nothing more than to fellowship with you in this gathering. We desire this. We love this opportunity. But it is a landmine for us and for you if you do not love it as much as you should as a Christian who is following and actively pursuing Christ. So I just want to employ you to not neglect this gathering. To not neglect this time that we have together. I realize that many of you are in and out all the time. You're gone for weeks at a time, for months at a time, and we get it. But if you're here, you should be here. Like you should be here. I get there are times where you're traveling for family, things like that, understood. But we just ask that you not purposely neglect gathering together with the saints. It was what was happening in Paul's day. It's what happens in our day, and it's a landmine that we see that could be, that could be a, a concern for our church. So as you can see, God has been incredibly faithful to our church over 2019, and we see uh, for the last seven years, and we see some incredible things on the horizon. You see, Brian and I and the other elders we're, uh, and deacons, we're, we're privileged to, to lead, lead and serve this body. We can't wait to see more of God's faithfulness in 2020. And Lord willing, as you said, for decades to come, right? For our next 25 years, Brian, as the Lord allows us to tarry. So I hope you will join me, as Acts 13 says, hope you will join me in praying and fasting that God's faithfulness will continue in us. That God, the Holy Spirit, will, will continue to draw others out from us to be able to go and start new churches, to go on the mission field, to go and, and to be sent because movement is the method with the gospel of Jesus Christ for the advancement of His kingdom. We love you guys. Let's pray.
God, we want to uh, be like the Acts 13 church, the church in Antioch, that even though they were a relatively young church, they were worshiping in spirit and in truth, and they were meeting together to pray and to fast. They had, in a very short period of time, raised up a plurality of leaders. As J.D. said, they had five prophets and teachers folks who are leading the church. And so, God, we thank you that we've seen that here in a relatively short period of time. God, we thank you that we've also been able to send folks out. We've been able to send out uh, Pillar Church of Oceanside, who is healthy and doing well. We're thankful that they have also been faithful to send out Pillar Okinawa and are about to send out Pillar San Diego. God, we're thankful for all the members who have come through here in the past seven years uh, in this very highly transient area. And God, we pray that you would grant us wisdom as we move forward from here. God, that you would show each of us individually what our part is in your mission. As we read earlier in our gathering, Matthew 28, that we would go and make disciples of all nations. So God, what is our part in that? And then as we think together, as we think corporately as a church body, God, that we would think of what is our role. What should we get involved in and what should we perhaps leave for somebody else? And God, I just pray that you would grant us wisdom in that. God, we look forward to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. As, uh, as the musicians come up, I encourage you to think through uh, the things that we've discussed um, I know this is a little out of the ordinary. Uh, that's why we only do it once a year or once every other year, um, because it is and it should be a little out of the ordinary. Um, but take time to prayerfully consider as we sing and as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Take time to prayerfully sing, uh, think about what is, what is my role in this? Is God calling you to something specific or is he just calling you to be a faithful member for a season? Is there something that you need to turn from? Maybe you've uh, a couple of the landmines you've started to, to step on and started to fall into of like having preference over earthly leaders instead of submitting yourself to Christ or maybe, maybe just neglecting the gathering and we happen to catch you on a Sunday that you're here. Um, recommit to gathering together with the church. The word church literally from the New Testament, Ecclesia, it means the gathering. So if you're not gathering, you're not gathering. Everybody, we're, tr- we're good with that, right? If you're not gathering, you're not part of the gathering. All right, and so uh, stand with us and worship as we continue to sing. Church, our next song, Sovereign Over Us, will be on the uh, screen behind us. There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. You meet us in our morning with a love that casts out fear. You are. Us. When we are not 
teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. Your Say.